Hello world, it's the Ladies of Nerditude. My name's Francine. I'm Jill. And today we are doing the fourth entry in our fictional science series. Ooh. I know, so exciting. On medical science. So we're going to get a little nerdy with the medical stuff today. It's going to be very exciting. Very fitting, since this is a nerdy podcast. I know, it's awesome. Look at that. I'm going to do like a whole different level of nerd. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> cool. So, um, the first thing that I think of when I think of medical science is, uh, well, a couple of different things, but like biological sciences and like biometrics and genetics and stuff seems mm-hmm. to be where like a lot of science fiction goes. Yes. So, like, that's kind of the obvious place. But as I was like doing research for this episode, I realized that there's a lot of medical science. Oh, yeah. That, like, I didn't even consider. It didn't come right to my mind. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we have some cool things to talk about oh, today. yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. So what do you think of when you think of medical science in fiction? I, I think of disaster um, <laughs> because... <laughs> so we're, we're talking, like, fictional medical science. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like... Part of it, you go, okay, so that means, like, robotic limbs and yeah. things. But to me, it's also about, like, genetic splicing mm-hmm. and stuff. So I thought of Jurassic Park. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Never ends well. No. <laughs> I feel that we all should have learned our lesson. You would think. Four movies in. <laughs> but we didn't. But still. <laughs> um. So I think about that because, now, I will admit that I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's kind of dry. Yeah. Uh, did you read it? I did. Yeah. Michael Crichton is very sciencey, which is cool. Like his science fiction is super sciencey, but it also kind of reads like a science journal at times because he's trying oh, to like fast. like underpin everything that's happening with plausible science, which is cool. It can get a little boring. <laughs> Yeah, and I get I get ADHD when I'm reading. I like I'm like, oh, I, okay, that's boring, and I like move on to the next book. Yeah, or I read four or five at a time because I can't <laughs> concentrate on anything. So, yeah, I think of Jurassic Park because of obviously creating the dinosaurs mm-hmm. using frog DNA with the little. <laughs> we all remember the little movie. Oh, I love that little guy. <laughs> It was awesome. When uh, yeah. he turned into the big brontosaurus, that yeah. was fabulous. Darno DNA. <laughs> I love that. So I think about that and the repercussions. Like to me, when I think of fictional medical science, I always equate it with disaster. We've mm-hmm. we as the human race have made a mistake and touched something that we shouldn't have touched. And then only Jeff Goldblum can save us. <laughs> Maybe, kind of. Maybe. He can at least try to, like, tamp down the fire. Yeah. And, and, you know, look good doing it and tell us a great joke in the meantime. It's true. So I think about all the Jurassic Park movies and the various, like, especially the most recent one, Jurassic Mm -hmm. World, when they create the mega dinosaur. Super dino. (laughs) That can be invisible and is, like, poisonous and fast and big and only Chris Pratt can save us. And, like, I mean, that's fine with me. But... (laughs) Yeah, I just, I, that's the first thing that pops to my mind is Jurassic Park. Yeah. I actually didn't even think about that. Like, it's so funny how we think about stuff differently. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, I think of medical science and I think of like people, like well, that's doing, probably better. you know, like doing, doing medicine on people or like trying to help humans. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, humans are the dumb perpetrators of this whole situation, which is so true. Mm-hmm. That's so I d- it did not even cross my mind. Everything on my list is about people. Maybe it's because I'm cynical and you're <laughs> positive. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Most of the things on my list do go horribly wrong in some <laughs> way or another. Like just because you can doesn't mean you should is like the tagline for this episode. Right. I feel like. right. So it's definitely bad news. But I was focused on, like, humans helping humans more than anything else. Or that's good. At least trying to and then usually screwing it up in really epic ways. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're good at that. (laughs) It seems like it's the way that science fiction treats technology in general. 
is like, hey, humans are so smart, but like they're also really dumb and like mm-hmm. bad for themselves. So with that uplifting thought. Yeah. Mind, I thought that we could start off on that starting foot. Off so positive. On the Tyrannosaurus foot, as it were. <laughs> um, I thought like when I was going back through mine and my husband's DVD collection, one thing that really like struck out stuck out to me was the movie Gattaca. Have you ever seen it? No, but that sounds familiar. It has Ethan Hawke and Jude Law and Uma Thurman. It's from like the late nineties. Okay. It's a fabulous, fabulous, like one of those dystopian future kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to give away like too much of the plot, but it's based around their society is based around genetics and specifically eugenics. Okay. So there's like all of these people that are considered valids and they are genetically engineered fetuses like as children their parents like picked them out like designer baby style oh that's Um, creepy yeah it's very creepy and they're considered like the valids they're the people that are genetically good and therefore they get certain opportunities like they can have the better jobs and they can go to the better schools because they're all like perfect and wonderful Uh and then there's the invalids who are the people who were conceived the old-fashioned messy way and like they have all these question marks around like their dna because you don't know what they might be carrying right because it didn't get screened out so they're like the cleaning staff and like the yeah like it's terrible it's and they set up this dichotomy between like the haves and the have-nots and the movie centers around this one character who um, is a have not. He's an invalid mm-hmm. and he has dreams of going to space. But okay. he ends up a janitor at the aerospace company because that's as close as he can get because they scan your DNA like all the time to make sure that you're like kept kept in your place. And so they're using medical technology and like life potentially life-saving medical technology to like keep a whole class of people down because of their genes. It's pretty oh. messed up. It's pretty messed up. It I don't gets, know that I want to see that. I mean, it's a really interesting story because he ends up breaking the law in like a lot of different ways to try to become the astronaut that like he really wants to be. And his childhood was even kind of messed up because his brother was genetically engineered, but he was not. Hmm. So there's this like constant battle between the two brothers of like the they had him first. He's the older brother, the invalid. And then they had his perfect brother because they wanted to like try it out and like correct their mistakes. Ugh, gross. So he has to fight against like his family and, and basically he's fighting against prejudice the whole time. And it's all based around like genetics and medicine. And it's kind of crazy. Hmm. And he ends up taking on someone else's identity so that he can try to be an astronaut. And he has to like trick all of the medical science into believing that he is someone that he is literally genetically not. Yeah, I I agree with you that we seem to have taken two very different roads for yeah. this. Because <laughs> that's that's interesting. And I'm over here like monsters. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's one of the shining examples to me of like how medical technology and like something that seems on the surface like it would be good. Right. Because you could like stamp out genetic disease and like, you know, you could save a whole generation of people. But yet it gets turned to this nefarious purpose of like, let's use it to to, you know, keep people down and like have a subservient class. And it's just really kind of messed up. But it's a good movie. And the ending is crazy pants. So I I recommend it because it's a really interesting look at like a possible future. Noted. It's a good movie. Gattaca. (laughs) Gattaca. Yeah. Like the G's and A's and T's and C's from DNA. That's where they got the name. It's very clever. Yeah. Nerd. I I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, that must be like the name of something. Like... Makes sense. Yeah. Gosh. It's a word they put together from all the like, okay. DNA letters. They're Makes so sense. clever. <laughs> all that nano DNA. It's um, true. Um, so I, of course, went to Star Wars. Of course. Naturally. Like you do. Of course. I do. <laughs> so 
Um, the big thing in the Star Wars universe is, and I think we kind of talked about it a little bit in a previous episode, but the fake hands, mm-hmm. the robotic hands that they get. The um, why why is it escaping me? <laughs> like the prosthetic, prosthetic. They have a I, different word that's for what it. I'm trying to say, and I, <laughs> yeah, um, and the realness mm-hmm. of them because they're obviously in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, all that sort. <laughs> but like, <clears throat> they're very realistic. They look like actual real hands until someone hits you in the hand with a lightsaber, mm. and then you go, oh, spark, fizzle, and it's very dramatic. <laughs> But I think it's kind of interesting because, yeah, we're starting to move towards being better with prosthetics. Mm -hmm. And in the Star Wars universe, they can individually control fingers, muscle twitches, things. It's like basically you have a real hand Mm -hmm. or other parts of you. Yeah. Or whatever. In the case of Darth Vader, Mm -hmm. he's (laughs) basically half robot, android, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call him. Um that's that's a whole other thing, is his suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is one crazy life support system. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to note that he can get up and walk around, even though he's got technically like, no legs. Half a body, yeah. Yeah, he's... I mean, if you saw Revenge of the Sith, you know. Mm-hmm. He was like the thing crawling out, and Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, oh, hey, sorry <laughs> about that. I mean, obviously it's more dramatic than that. But... <laughs> He's um, just got the sass. But yeah, he's got the he's got this suit and this breathing apparatus that, you know, gives him his oh, thing mm-hmm. that he does and I think that that is maybe science that we need to think about more because if you were to get your legs chopped off and you were thrown into a volcano now, <laughs> that would be a bad day. You <laughs> probably wouldn't live and you yeah. definitely wouldn't ever walk again. But Darth Vader, not he doesn't even just have like stiff legs. He mm-hmm. moves like he's got no problems. So I think that's pretty cool. And also in the Star Wars universe, there is Bacta. Yes, I'm vaguely familiar. So Bacta is like this liquid medicine that you essentially submerge people into. Mm-hmm. Or submerge parts of yourself into, like, if you burn yourself, you, like, put Bacta on it and it heals really fast. Um, if you've seen The Empire Strikes Back, you see after Luke is rescued from the iciness of Hoth um, <laughs> and Han saves him, he's, like, submerged in, like, a water tank uh-huh. in his Speedo <laughs> and a mask. That's Bacta. Oh, okay. And... Bacta is a liquid which mimics the body's fluids and helps in regeneration. It is used to help with cuts and burns as well as severe cellular damage such as frostbite. Mm. The subject is suspended in a full immersion tank for treatment of large-scale injuries or given a patch or lotion for minor injuries. Mm. I don't know if this is something people have created or if something like, I don't know, it's some weird snake spit from a planet in Star Wars or whatever, but... Wouldn't that be nice to have? <laughs> Does it only work on humans? No. So it's universal? Or is I don't there know if different? It's universal, but I think Yoda uses it at some huh. point in the expanded universe books. And I think they use it on Chewie once or something, hmm. but mostly it's the people who use it because mm-hmm. we are the most susceptible to, you know, losing sure. a hand or getting thrown into a volcano. Or, yeah. We're just not tough. You know, wandering like around on Hoth when we shouldn't. <laughs> so there's some pretty rad stuff in the Star Wars universe. I yeah, that's say. cool. I have a lot of follow-up questions. Oh, I can try to answer no. them. <laughs> My main one was like, is it universal? Can you use it on anybody? Or And I kind of have the same question about, like, prosthetics, I guess. Hmm. Like, can those be retrofitted to, like, a Wookiee? Because it'd be way too tiny, but could you potentially use the same well, technology? Well, I think each of them is especially built for the person. Hmm. So you could make, like, using the same technology, you could make, like, Yoda a foot. Yeah. If he got his foot cut yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, did you see... I think it was Attack of the Clones. I did. Uh, is that the show cartoon or is that the well first? it was also a movie okay 
because everything is cloney yeah back there in the prequels the best (laughs) of the series i would say but that is where they have um count dooku Mm -hmm. he or wait I'm sorry, General Grievous. Okay, sorry. I was like, I recognize those names. No, so Count Dooku was somebody else. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I blacked out. Uh, General Grievous is, you think that he's a droid. Uh-huh. He's the he's the guy who wields like six lightsabers. Okay, or four yeah. lightsabers. He's got multiple. I'm familiar vaguely. Um, he My started out the show as a person. Oh. And he's been fitted with so many things. He's mostly robot, but he does have like a beating heart inside. So he's his. like further than Darth Vader on the well, yeah, android scale or like on the cyborg scale, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't, I don't know if he started out as human, but he started out not not a machine. Mm. So, and I do know that there are other characters. I want to say his name is Bosk. He's a bounty hunter, mm-hmm. and he's not human. I can't remember what planet he's from, but he has a metallic mm-hmm. arm and things like that. So I think it's just it can be built individually, and then there's different species who have, like, breathing masks and things because they can't For, like, take in oxygen. Planets. Yeah. So, like, one breathes acid, I think, and things like that. So <laughs> we can build all kinds of gnarly stuff in there, really. That's cool. Yeah. No, I think that gives like a good, well, it gives you like a way to heal people, right? Like you can injure them and then be like, oh, but they're not dead. So we brought them back a la Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also, I guess, gave them the excuse to put Luke in a Speedo, which I'm sure everyone all super enjoyed. (laughs) You know, you need that for life, I guess, or Um, something. (laughs) Sure, sure. I want to know why they didn't use it on Han Solo. Oh, <laughs> don't we all? I have I have feelings. Because Han, is, I like how we're getting sidetracked. Han <laughs> is not dumb enough to go out there like that and really? be like, oh, man, I got hit by a wampa. <laughs> I need some help. And then everybody's like, oh, man, has anybody seen that Skywalker dude? And I'm like, in the movie, they're like, oh, Luke, he's, like, kind of important or something. I don't know. And Han is the only one who's like, you guys, like, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and find him. Like, he's kind of important. Yeah. That's outstanding. It happens. And then he comes out there and he's like, give me this lightsaber. Cuts open the tauntaun. Everybody's fine. He's the savior of everything. It's because he was so much older and wiser than the others. It's true. Anyway, <laughs> medical science starring Han Solo. Star- starring Han Solo, yes. That's that's really what we should be talking about right now. Maybe but some, maybe someday we will. <laughs> I'm gonna go opposite star and talk about Star Trek because you talk about Star Wars. I can talk about Star Trek. There's a ton of medical science in the Star yeah. Trek universe. Like I can't even. It's everywhere. So I kind of just picked a couple of things that I think are sort of cool. Um, That's all you can do. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. I was like, I can't talk about, like, we'd be here all day. Like, we could just do an episode on Star Trek medicine. Maybe someday we will. Maybe someday we will when you watch some more of it. I will. Everybody stop bullying (laughs) me. So I'm going to try to go for no spoilers, like, just sort of general discussion across the different series. Um, the, like one of the big things that we see universally throughout like all of the Star Trek shows from the very beginning all the way through till now Mm -hmm. is the hypo spray, which is, does that make you really excited? (laughs) No, I know you'd think that. Oh, um, it's basically a like air injection system to get medicine into your bloodstream. So instead of using like a hypodermic needle or an IV, they use this little like, spray thing and they put it against your skin or against your clothing and they push the button and it has medicine loaded into it and it like so we actually have a version of this now the like i and those like um i forget what you call them those little things that like jet inject medicine into your like through your skin they used to use them when we were younger injectors yeah i like it (laughs) we i remember i got a vaccination that way when i was younger 
but then they kind of Fancy. fell. Yeah, they kind of fell out of favor. Like in the early 2000s, people stopped really using them. Um, but in the world of Star Trek, they actually created it back in the 60s when the first show started because NBC's rules and procedures said that you can show a hypodermic needle like going into someone. I know. It was like necessity, mother of invention kind of moment. So they came up with the hypo spray to be able to give medication on Star Trek. And like it, it's just blown up. It's, they use them all the time on all of the shows. They kind of look like little sort of sticks and you like load the thing into the bottom, kind of like uh, an asthma inhaler, but in reverse, like flipped around and has a little button on the side and a little dial. You can like dial in the dosage and then you just put it against the person and you inject. It makes this little like noise and then they're better. It's amazing. Oh, that would be nice. It's awesome. And I know that um, it's also you can like give the same medication to many different people without needing to like change needles because it can't cross-contaminate between patients. Oh, that's cool. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, there's not some scary person coming at you with a needle. Mm -hmm. And it's much faster than a needle. trauma. Yeah. (laughs) I know. You don't have to, like, prep the area or anything. And like I said, you can do it through the clothes. So even if you're wearing one of those high-necked Star Trek uniforms, they don't even have to, like, take your shirt off to give you medication, which is pretty crazy. Oh. Not that they didn't take people's shirts off. I was going to say, I'm sure they did. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool piece of technology, piece of medical technology. Um, Another one that is seen throughout the series is the medical tricorder. There's actually three different kinds of tricorders in the Star Trek universe. I know. I'm nerding out right now. No, no, I mean like tricorders. Yes. So So it's three fourths. It's um, like a recorder. But it's a tricorder. Oh. It's a little like box that the medical ones have this little wand that comes out is like a separate piece. And it basically works the way that those like thermometers that you rub on someone's forehead work. Mm-hmm. You like scan the person, like you scan across their forehead or you scan like where their injury is. And then this little biofeedback machine like tells you what's wrong and like Ooh, that'd be handy. Right? It's so cool. And I know they've been trying to create one, um, but it's very small and mobile in the Star Trek universe, and, like, it can do everything. It, you, yeah, I, I, that's I think not, there's some things you still need a person for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a person that wields this. So, like, in the Star Trek universe, it's the medical officers that use the medical tricorder. So it's not just, like, I can pick one up and be like, I'm going to fix you. Like, it doesn't... Oh it doesn't actually fit. It's a diagnostic tool more uh. than anything else. So I can like scan you and be like, oh, you have a parasite, but that's not going to be useful to cure the parasite. I probably have to give you a hypo spray or like do surgery on you or something like that to actually hmm. fix what's wrong. But it's basically like a mobile MRI slash like thermometer slash can do. It takes readings of like your whole body and tells the person what's wrong. Pretty cool. Um, And we see those, like, in various forms throughout the whole Star Trek universe. Like, it's everywhere. Um, And then there were two that were specific to certain series. Um, In Voyager, speaking of needing people for medicine, Mm -hmm. uh, they create an emergency medical hologram, an EMH, which is a – basically, it's a computer program. It's a machine. He's holographic. And he can – Take, he ends up taking the place of the doctor. Like, he is the doctor on the ship. Hmm. So he can fully interact with everyone. He has, like, encyclopedic medical knowledge. He's a computer program that does surgery and, like, diagnoses people. And he's really funny hmm. as well. Um, he's a great character. But he is created as a backup system for the actual medical doctor. <laughs> But then, like Star Trek happens, you know, there's like, oops, he's dead. Well, you're the only one because we're stuck in deep space. So you're the medical officer now, even though he's like this hologram. So he's pretty cool. He's like a walking, talking WebMD, but even better. So he's pretty neat. And he also has to be equipped with the ability to not just treat and diagnose humans, but like all of the other alien species on the ship. Because it's not just people in Starfleet. 
So he has to have like knowledge of Vulcan, like biomedical technology. And like he has to know about Klingon DNA and like all of this stuff. So it's pretty cool. He's a pretty neat guy. And then the last thing that I thought of when I think of medical technology is Geordi from The Next Generation, which is the show that you're going to be starting with. Yeah, yeah, Geordi right? yeah. <laughs> um, is actually born blind, even oh. in the future. Um, and the way that they correct his blindness, uh, they actually give him a apparatus to wear over his face. I don't know if you've seen it. It looks like a sparkly headband and he wears it over his eyes. Like Cyclops? Kind of, yeah. And it's called the visor, like uh-huh. all in caps, and it stands for something. Um, <laughs> but okay. I don't know what it is, like visual interface, something, something. It bypasses his eyes and sends visual information from the device directly into his brain. Oh, shit. So that he can see without using his eyes. Hmm. It's pretty cool. So um, that's a, a neat piece of technology. And eventually, like later on in the movies, by the time that happens, he's got ocular implants that do the same thing. So he no longer has to wear the visor. But all hmm. throughout like the series and the early films of TNG. I wonder if that's maybe something they could actually do. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah. They actually have done that a couple of times before with like microchips implanting them in the brain and then really? having like, yeah, but it doesn't, it just... Right now, I, w- I was doing a little bit of research online. Um, the most they can do is like they've tested it in mice and they can get the mice to be able to see the difference between like black and white. And that allows them to see basic shapes if they're in contrasting colors. I mean, that would be a start. You it's it's kind of cool. I'm sure that if you couldn't see anything, yeah, that that's would be a like big deal. A beginning of something. So they're, they're yeah, kind of working like, on it. I know it. that, well, for deaf people, they can have cochlear Mm-hmm. cochlear implants um but i know that that's still not perfect yeah. either still doesn't always and work. it also depends on when you get them because mm-hmm. i know that they've given them to some adults and then they they don't want them after mm-hmm. all because they don't know like what the sound corresponds to so i'm sure that if you had something the visual thing like yeah you would be looking at something and not knowing what it was yeah and that would be very scary mm-hmm. when they have that with like um corneal implant patients mm-hmm. like and uh things like that where they can you know if the surgery is successful you can see oh my gosh you can see but you don't even really understand what it means to see because that's not how you organize your world mm-hmm. so it's, you would still be touching everything yeah I think, to figure out mm-hmm. what and i actually uh watched a documentary about a woman who regained her sight after she had a corneal mm-hmm. transplant. And she was like, oh, I can feel that this is round, but round isn't what I thought it would look like. Like her oh, brain was okay. having this weird disconnect between like how it looks to be round and how it mm-hmm. feels to be round. And she was huh. like, I don't really get it. Like it's hard for her. It took a long time for her brain to like start to re understand the relationship interesting you would think you wouldn't forget that but yeah well and she was blind since she was a child oh she was like seven or eight so she was and she was like 40 when they did the transplant so she was like i just i don't even like remember what it is to see Makes sense it was really interesting yeah i similar but um i watched a video of they gave a cochlear implant to a girl i think she was 16 and she was utterly terrified. Yeah. And it was, it was very like, I don't know. It's just something you don't think about mm-hmm. when you hear all the time or you see all the time. But this, she, she heard a bird and didn't know, is that a car coming? Yeah. Is that the thing in the tree? Is mm-hmm. what, what does this, is that sound dangerous or just, Yeah. Because you have no, your brain doesn't know what to do with that stimulus. It's yeah. like, what is that? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> like, it has no association to help you build reality. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be like the same thing seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, round is. Yeah, she was like, I know what round feels like, but I don't know what round looks like. Hmm. That was like a, a alien thing to her. So, hmm. you know medical fiction becomes medical science like real medical science and i feel like that happens a lot 
the things that are done in science fiction are often the inspiration for things in real life. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always look the same way. So, like, it'd be awesome if we could give everybody that, you know, had a sensory deprivation or, like, a sensory issue. Like, oh, we'll give you technology and it will fix it. But, like, maybe not. It's not a smooth transition. No. <laughs> it's not an easy fix. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work that goes into it. And, like, Jordy in the show was like that from birth. So he doesn't really know anything different. Like, that is the way that he sees is just mm-hmm. with that device. But when it gets taken from him or like it breaks and a couple of, you know, there's all kinds of plot points that they use around it. He's utterly like, I, I can't do like, I can't be helpful right now because I don't, it's like he immediately lost a sense that he's had his whole life. Hmm. And his visor is extra super cool. Cause he can also see like infrared. And so it has Ooh. different settings. It's Ooh, very different fancy. Settings. I like it. Yeah. So he can actually see more than the human eye because it's a machine. Oh. So it's kind of cool. Handy. Yeah. I thought it was neat. Those are the things that I think of when I think of Star Trek medical technology. And I know that like Star Trek has been at the forefront of technological innovation. Oh, yeah. Even though it was cheesy props and stuff in the beginning. It's the ideas uh, that count. Yeah. They like created the tablet and all that kind of stuff, you know, before it was cool. Um, so they're the original technological inspiration for a lot of stuff and i think that's neat right on (laughs) um so the next two of mine are actually drugs oh cool i love it let's talk about drugs okay i don't think about drugs in relation to freddy krueger Ooh, i'm intrigued what you got so we've got hypnosil Mm -hmm. which if you watched a nightmare on elm street three And Freddy versus Jason. It is an experimental drug that suppresses dreams. It's like a you safe can haven. kind of keep Freddy away, mm. but if you take too much, boom, coma. Yeah, that that um, would be a side effect. So that's a bummer, um, especially if you want to get away from Freddy. Yeah, then you're kind of screwed. Because I don't know that if you go into the coma, that you don't ever dream. Mm. I, I would imagine it would wear off after a while, but although it is keeping you in a coma, I don't know. This is why I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Medical questions. We have questions for you, inventor of hypnosil. Yeah. And then there's, I'm probably not going to say this, imobatine. Let me see. I-M-O-B-A-T-I-N-E. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, which is used in Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, and Freddy uses that to put Jason to sleep. Hmm. And drags him into the dream world. Um, Freddy tries to kill him in a place where he can't be defeated. This is possibly a mixture of anti-chlorinogenic <laughs> alkaloids. Okay, big some long stuff. medical it's word. Got some stuff in it. So basically, <laughs> today on the ladies' so, attempt to do biochemistry. So today on Jill does not have a medical degree. Um, <laughs> so basically the stuff to suppress dreams and the stuff to make you go to sleep, even if you're Jason Voorhees, who does not sleep. Yeah. And um, you're like humongous and scary. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's interesting that in this little world, and in Nightmare on Elm Street, they took like no dose or mm-hmm. something like that so that yeah. they wouldn't sleep at all. But the way that I kind of saw it in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was like they made this to keep mm-hmm. Freddy away. So I think it's interesting that, and I mean, maybe you'd be beneficial to like PTSD yeah. patients and things like that. Mm-hmm. or People with night terrors could oh, use it. Yeah, those are fun. You know, I mean, it has broad applications, not yeah. just for keeping away the demon of your dreams. I mean, that <laughs> is a great side effect. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's yeah. got legs. It can yeah, go places. It, it could, I think this could work. <laughs> so I thought that that was interesting that, they had used science to kind of battle the otherworldly. Yeah, like the supernatural, yeah. Yeah, to keep them away using science. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, that didn't really work. But <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they tried. <A> for effort. <laughs> so, um, and kind of along those lines, Iocane powder from the Princess Bride. Oh, I was like, that sounds so familiar. But it's tasteless, odorless, kill you in an instant. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Before you even know. Yeah. (laughs) Dissolves instantly in any liquid. Um, That's some dangerous stuff. Okay, but like real talk, seriously. (laughs) Like who made this stuff? Australians. But why? Didn't you watch (laughs) it? Come on. But really. But really. Like we're talking about a thing that is insta-kill, basically. I don't know. It is insta-murder. Who... Can't, like thought, oh, that's a great idea. Again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. But you can build up an <laughs> immunity. Yes. If you're Wesley. Fair. Or, excuse me, the man in black. Dread Pirate <laughs> Roberts, whatever his name is. Um, but I thought that was worth mentioning because it's... I don't know if I want to call it science necessarily, but inserting chemicals of different kinds into storylines to Mm -hmm. make things easier. Like we could have, you you know, it could have been arsenic. It could have been whatever other poisons. I, the arsenic's the only one I can think of. (laughs) Um, And instead you create Iocane powder, which is like, look, it's odorless. It's tasteless. Dissolves instantly. Mm -hmm. Boom. You're dead. Yeah. It's like the super predator of poisons. And so, but we don't ever actually know, is this something that you just find on a bush? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that people created? Like you have to make it or do you find it? Yeah. Maybe it's a combo. Right. (laughs) Like you find the raw ingredient and then you have to prep, like heroin. Yes. (laughs) Yes, like heroin. Sure. (laughs) Um. Now I'm thinking about heroin. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Like, I don't mean to sound like a drug addict, but now I'm like, wait, is heroin natural? I don't... I also don't have a chemistry degree. It's okay. Um, but also in The Princess Bride, there is the the machine, mm-hmm. which we don't really know exactly how this works, and you don't really need to know how it works. And I think that's also a part of fictional medical mm-hmm. science that's like, yeah, it's mysterious. Yeah, they just have to make it plausible. Yeah, and, and so you you open the little floodgate thing, <laughs> and it sucks the life out of you according to how much you gauge it. Just a little. And remember, this is for posterity, but you know it makes you scream a lot, and we don't we don't really know what it does. It's generally a bad trip, whatever it Except does. Except that it kills you. Yeah, it's not mostly dead. Not a good situation. Yeah. So I I thought I thought those were both interesting medical fantastical <laughs> yeah things not nothing like either of those things exists in the real world that i know of i mean i hope not i yeah well and i'm always like the uber nerd who's like um, the choir. <laughs> yeah who's like yeah they have this thing that does this you know and then they give you the exposition and i'm always like but i have more questions like the you drugs would. in Freddy Krueger, like who, how, what part of the brain are they suppressing that's making you dream? Is it like your beta wave or your like alpha wave or whatever? Like who, oh my how, God. Meanwhile, you know? I'm like, okay, so it works. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like so I want. keeps away Freddy, huh? <laughs> Just Which is don't why. Take too much. Yeah. That's why I like the Michael Crichton books a lot of the time because I'm like, ooh, he's so explanatory. And then I'm like, oh God, just show me the little cartoon DNA guy. (laughs) You can't explain it with a cartoon. I don't need the explanation. I don't need to know. (laughs) It works great. I accept that. See, but I'm like on the more creative side of things. You're more on the science (laughs) part of things. So I'm like, show me a cartoon. Dumb it down. I need you to dumb this down. <laughs> this like, is why. So where's the Latin root of this word? And uh, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this is why we make a good team. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yes. Um, if you want a cartoon medical I science, I think of Baymax from Big Hero 6. I don't know if you saw Big I Hero 6. I did not see that. Okay, first off, you have to watch it. Is that the big mm-hmm, marshmallow? The big marshmallow guy. Uh-huh. Okay. The big, like, uh, inflatable dude. Yeah. He's actually a form of artificial intelligence. Um, and he is a personal healthcare companion. That's how he was like invented okay. and built. So he 
sits, he lives in like this little box and he's actually inflatable. So he's tiny. Oh, okay. And as soon as he hears like distress or an emergency situation, he like that like activates him. And his job is to support you medically, emotionally, psychologically, like however you need. That's hmm. his purpose in okay. life. He's like the best EMT ever. Oh. Um, so yeah, he's AI that's specifically designed to provide medical assistance. Hmm. And so the idea is that you like buy one, you like own one, and it is in your home at all times. He's like the ultimate life alert. As soon as you're like, okay. help, I've fallen. He like activates himself Good, and will like, one. right. He will come and like pick you up and like, you know, treat your wounds and take care of you and be like, are you satisfied with your care? And when you say, yes, I'm satisfied with my care. He like deflates back into his, oh, it's kind of sad. <laughs> his box. But the cool thing about like Baymax, the one in Big Hero 6, is that he actually develops a personality and he has the ability to like learn and to decide things. And he becomes a best friend to the other heroes. And like he's a superhero, basically. Aww. It's very cool. It's a fun movie. I recommend it. But he's a cool piece of medical technology, really, at his core. Like, that's what he was designed to do. Yeah. Is to provide, like, medical help faster than an ambulance. That's good. He's pretty neat. Hmm. I like him. There you go. Cartoons and medical science. <laughs> they do go together. That made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's pretty neat. And I have two other things on my list, personally. Okay. Um, do you have any other ones on your no. list? Okay. I'll just quickly go through my two other... Nothing that's not a disaster monster. <laughs> a disaster monster. Like deep blue sea sharks. Yeah. You know, that is actually... I w it almost made it onto my list, the sharks from deep blue sea. Mm -hmm. Because they were being used to cure mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. Yeah. But then, oops, we made a super intelligent, like, super shark... And then it just goes on and a murder that is spree. Why it is such a good movie. Because <laughs> of the super murder sharks? Yeah. I, well, you know how I feel about really bad monster movies. But, um, okay, let's talk about Deep Blue Sea. Um, so I do have one Since left. you brought it Sorry. up. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, okay, so if you haven't seen Deep Blue Sea, BT dubs, you should. Go watch it. Because <laughs> LL Cool J and his parrot the best thing mm -hmm. he's a saucy chef see what i did there yeah i see what you did there <laughs> um so they create these big ass sharks because they find out that in the shark's brain there is a chemical that can instantly cure alzheimer's it's amazing it's a medical miracle it is yeah and so they go okay but there's not enough in the shark's brain to harvest enough to cure mm -hmm. a person you can only cure like a couple of cells basically so they're like, ah, no problem. We'll just make the sharks bigger. Genetic engineering, but yo. This means, <laughs> OMG, the bigger the shark, the bigger the brain. Oh, my mm -hmm. God, the shark is smarter. And they're like, oh, hey, <laughs> we want to get into the medical place and mm -hmm. eat all the doctors. They're like, now they're the top of the food chain. You create, again, the super predator problem. Yeah, because so they... They have this way that they take the sharks up out of the water. Kind of, they their, their gills are still under so they can still breathe and still move and everything. But they're like sedated. And then this doctor lady is like, aha, I stick a needle in your brain. I suck out the juice. This doesn't kill the shark, apparently. Apparently it doesn't need it to and live. And the shark creates more. And mm -hmm. so they keep harvesting from these sharks. And the goal is, yes, we're going to cure Alzheimer's. And that's great. However, we didn't think through the whole smart shark thing. Yeah. Poor Samuel L. Jackson didn't get to seal off that pool. Nope. <laughs> and, you know. Problems. So, once again, we have created the, the, the monster. Yeah. And the sharks may or may not eat most of the people who are in the floating laboratory. Mm-hmm. Because they learn how to throw people into windows. Dude, they get real smart real fast. It's... They can swim backwards. They can do all the things that sharks are not supposed to be able to do. Yeah, they're like testing the fences for weaknesses mm -hmm. and things. Just like Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's very similar See, problem. So don't make <laughs> stuff bigger. Yeah. And if it's, it's extinct, leave it alone. <laughs> let, let it be extinct. I mean, unless, you know, we did it. Like, let's not make... <laughs> 
tigers or whatever, but like dinosaurs, no, no, no. <laughs> big ass sharks, no, no, it's just no. especially things that like to eat meat. I feel like that's never well, a good plan. Like maybe Jurassic Park would have been okay if we just did like the Brontosaurus, mm-hmm. just the veggie saurus, just the veggie eaters, <laughs> like. Maybe maybe no raptors. I'm just right. Like, that why out. would you even build? And it turns out, nefarious purposes is the reason to create like giant T Rexes and shit. Um, it's because your engine and you're horrible and soulless and you're evil. Uh, but how many of those guys died because of their? <laughs> you know, if I've learned anything from movies, bad guys get eaten in mm-hmm. the end. Don't work for the evil corporation, no matter how good their ideas are. Mm-hmm. That's basically the lesson there. Don't be a lawyer. Yeah. That's right. what I've learned. <laughs> they go first. <laughs> yeah. And bloody. What were your other ones? Um, my husband actually mentioned flatliners to me, which I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh. Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, a while ago. Yeah. yeah. From it's the, been a while. From the mm-hmm. 90s. Um, that's a cool like example of medical science fiction because it's kind of similar to the freddy situation yeah, i was gonna say they die right yeah but i they, can't remember why they they die on purpose they're trying to f- to discover they're a bunch of medical students with too much time on their hands apparently Ugh. um and their genius plan is to figure out what happens after you die so they get together and they're like we're gonna give each other like basically we're gonna kill each other but just temporarily and don't worry we'll bring you back fun um, but the idea is to like glimpse the other side. I'm, I'm, mm-mm. it's such a bad idea, I'm right? Good. Like from the jump, it's a terrible idea. Um, and then it turns out what they did was like basically they open a door between this world and the next world. Ah, yes, that okay. problem occurs, yeah. and then you know the like their afterlife experience starts like wreaking havoc with their life once they come back. No spoilers, but like it's a bad idea for your friends <laughs> to get together and be like, let's just temporarily kill each other. Never a good idea. There goes our weekend plans. Right. So even though they have the medical ability and that's all real medicine, like they bring each other back with like drugs and paddles and, you know, like they're mm-hmm. not doing not using anything that's science fictiony, but the science fiction part comes in with their mixing of the life and afterlife and the problems that come along with that. And it ends up being a really bad idea. So, like, Mm. lesson learned, I guess. You know, after a couple of people don't come back or come back and then, you know, like, kill themselves. And, yeah. Lovely. Just not a good plan. I know. And they're medical students, so they should totally have known better. Um, But no. It's that that Dr. Hubris problem. Again, if I've learned anything from (laughs) the movies... Scientists and doctors don't always make the best decisions. Dude, they should so have known better. There's a reason that people just don't go around doing that. But they had to learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's an, 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 a, a, that was a listener suggestion, if you will, because it came Yay, from Finn. my husband. <laughs> and then uh, a movie that really just irks the crap out of me oh, from dear. like a medical standpoint. Have you seen Elysium? The Matt Damon. Uh, I saw the preview and I said no. Dude. Because I love Charlotte Copley. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude is my cr- crazy South African <laughs> homeboy. I love that guy. But I, s- several exceptions aside, I don't do spacey stuff. Mm, yeah. Um. So I saw that and I kind of ignored it. But I, I didn't realize that it was like a medical thing. I thought it was more like, weren't they taking over Jupiter? Um, kind or am of. am I thinking Jupiter ascending? You're I thinking of Jupiter ascending, kind of. Okay. Um, the basis of Elysium is that the Earth is like overpopulated. It's overcrowded. Everyone is sick. Everything is like poverty stricken. You know, too many people. So a bunch of, again, the haves versus the have nots, a bunch <sighs> of rich people and fancy people decide to build a space, like an orbiting space shuttle kind of thing, like an, an orbiting place to inhabit. And they name it Elysium. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the rich, fancy people live. And they basically left everyone else on Earth uh-huh. with no resources and like. Kind of like Wally. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. To, like, basically just solve the overpopulation problem because everybody's going to die eventually, right? So terrible uh, premise to the film. 
But part of the medical technology that exists on Elysium is these med bays, which are kind of like MRI looking bed type things. Mm -hmm. And they can cure everything, including reversing aging. Oh, shit. So like all of the people that are on Elysium can basically they're immortal and their lives are medically perfect. If you get an STD, they can cure it in a second. You break your leg, you lose a limb, it can regrow your limbs. You're feeling kind of achy and arthritic. Oh, we got a fix for that. We'll make you 10 years younger. Like they just have the ultimate medical resource that everyone on earth would benefit from, but can't have access to because they keep it literally off the planet. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing is like Matt Damon's character needs to use this med bay for spoilery plot reasons. Mm -hmm. And so they have to like smuggle him onto Elysium. Um, But in the end, like the decisions that they make surrounding this technology are so terrible because it basically makes everybody immortal. But overpopulation is already a problem. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. So they basically... Cause a mass extinction eventually, but that's not where the movie ends. The movie ends with like, yay, everything is good again. And that's why it pisses me off because I'm like, no, you basically just exterminated the species. Good job. Way to go, Matt. (laughs) Way to go. You're going to have all these like people perpetually young and fertile having babies that will be perpetually young and fertile. What you going to do? Um, (laughs) just spread out through the universe i guess i I don't know more ships i guess (sighs) not neil blomkamp's best work (laughs) is what i have to say about that but the beds are kind of an interesting medical technology um and they are used and misused very much throughout the movie so in that sense it's like interesting for sci-fi medical purposes but um the consideration of the end if you watch it Tweet me. Let you know. Let me know what you think of the end of Elysium, because it just gives me all the nerd rage ever. <laughs> That's bad. I can't handle it. I have no time for that. <laughs> but was Charlotte good? He was. Of course he was. Yeah. I mean, the acting was was good, but I just I have issues with the plot and the resolution of said plot. Bummer. Kind of makes me rage out a little bit. Hulk smash. <laughs> I'm a little Hulk smashy over that. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I think, I mean, my list is exhausted. That's all I've got for right now. So what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, we are kicking off our Supernatural-a-thon. Woo! We're going to attempt to do an episode per season with some other episodes like sprinkled out in between. But we're trying to build ourselves up and do like a mega rewatch before Mm. season 13. So obviously there's not enough Sundays between now and the premiere of season 13, October 12th, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, ma'am. There's not enough weeks, not enough episodes for us to do like all of them before. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. Um, but we will be rewatching all of the seasons and devoting an episode per season as long as it takes. It'll, until take, it'll take 12 episodes. Well, we did an episode 12 already, a season 12 episode already. So really, we only have to do it's different 11. when we rewatch it? I don't know. I guess we have to do another one. <sighs> well, and well, maybe we, we'll have to talk about like whether we should do an episode about what we think is going to happen in season 13. Yeah, that's true. Because it is their favorite number. Mm-hmm. It's true. But that will be doing season one next week. Yes. So come prepared. Do your rewatching. Yeah. Tell us how funny it is to oh, go man. back and watch them and like, nobody's got the deep gravelly voice yet and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> They're so young and they have so much hair. <laughs> so adorbs. <laughs> so go back, rewatch season one. And we will see you back here next week. Bye. Bye.